Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Are you one of the many professionals who has had their workplace just totally turned on its head as a result of COVID? Are you still maybe not back to normal and aren't really sure when you will be? It's completely normal to be grieving the loss of your workplace environment and the daily face-to-face collaboration that you once maybe shared with your colleagues. And there are just some things that let's be honest, Zoom can't replicate, right? So just because you aren't all under the same roof, you know, aren't all in the same type of workplace environment, it doesn't mean that you still can't be a great team. You can foster effective teamwork no matter where you are. And it just honestly takes some tweaking. Joining me today to talk about the ever-facing ever-changing face of teamwork is Joy Freeman. Joy was actually on the podcast back in season one, um, and she was also recently a part of Forward's webinar series called Candid Conversations Racial Reconciliation. Personally, I could listen to Joy talk all day because she's just such an impactful speaker. (laughs) In her work, Joy helps professionals realize their potential and has a knack for moving teams from the place where they are stuck to the place where they want to be. So, I mean, come on perfect person to talk to us about fostering good teamwork. So Joy, I thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Of course. Yeah. So I let's just start off by laying out some groundwork. So for you, what has changed in the last 12 months as far as your workplace and your team culture and structure goes? That is such an interesting uh, question, even as I reflect on it, because I as, as you know, I run my own company. It's mm-hmm. a year and a half old at this point. And so actually when the, when the pandemic happened, I was finishing my MBA program and really getting into uh, the weeds and launching Remnant Strategy. And so a lot changed just for my world in general. My, um, my, many of my global electives were canceled. And, uh, and then the rest of my MBA program, the last quarter and a half, went virtual. And then with that, everything that I was doing with Remnant was moved into the confines of my Chicago apartment. So before that, I was actually working um, in co-working spaces and had opportunities to go on site with clients. And so then moving into this virtual space, it really forced me to think differently over the last 12 months about what does it mean to even have client engagements, uh, those interactions, a lot of those brainstorms and workshops that were heavily dependent on uh, being in person, leading focus groups, um, all of that, all of those uh, things that we really value for the personal interactions and observations was then moved into a virtual space. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, have you found it easier or maybe harder to be a part of a team, you know, in today's workplace? Both. Yeah. <laughs> I think there, you know, there are the things that we talk about that's easy, right? In that you can wear your yoga pants while you are... Okay working or your commute isn't very long. For me, I know that I know there are a lot of people who really struggle because they yeah. are now um, teachers of, of school-age children on top of yeah. um, working. I am on the opposite end of that. Yeah. I, uh, I'm unmarried and um, live alone. So for me, what was really difficult was the, the complete absence of, of real uh, interpersonal human interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's one thing when you aren't with your team. It's another thing when you aren't with other people at all. And that, those are the things that I had to start to take into account in really structuring my um, my personal social life to feed me in the ways that uh, that team did when I was in a in a teamwork environment. 
Mm-hmm. I think the things that have been hard about it are, are, are those aspects of it. It's also been difficult in, in really having to think differently and intentionally about how I develop and train people. We don't really think about it, but when you have junior level talent, some of the ways that they learn is they observe what you are, what you're doing and saying on calls. They observe mm-hmm. through the, the post call conversations. They observe those last minute things that happen uh, for me in the world that I'm in with a client. And so how do I think intentionally about developing them when they're not in my home with me and seeing what happens after a meeting? And so I think those were the other parts that are really difficult. The easier aspects of it was being able to have a more global team. Uh, mm-hmm. And not that that was impossible before, but now that we're in this virtual world, it really mm-hmm. allowed me, I have a brand strategist who's in Nairobi. Um, I have uh, other folks who are across the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, talent who you know may typically have not uh, thought about you know, coming to Chicago or have been more difficult to put them on certain projects and engagements because of the location, it now has opened up the world for that. So I think that has been a part of this that is um, easier and an advantage um, as long as you're willing to work through uh, the time zones. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Time zones. <laughs> and time zones are definitely yeah. a challenge. If that wasn't like a normal thing before, I it, it's just commonplace now for people to worry about time zones. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Well, and you know, a lot of companies, they're still largely virtual, uh, and, you know, and unfortunately probably will be for the foreseeable future. Um, so just in working with the people that you've worked with, what are some unique challenges, I guess, that you've seen in building and maintaining successful teams that are operating in this kind of isolated virtual workplace? So going back to my, my earlier comment about being living alone yeah. um, and the impacts that that have, I really think it's important for us to remember that people are people. They're yeah. not just um, labor. Uh, they're not just what we, you know, the output that we pay them for. They are whole human beings. Yeah. And so I think as we really work through what does it look like to be in not just you know, it's one thing to be in a virtual world, but we also have to remember why are we in this virtual world? Exactly. People are, yeah. we are going through a global pandemic. We yeah. last year not only went through a pandemic, but racial unrest. Globally, there were social issues happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then in the U.S., we went through a very tumultuous election period. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so people are experiencing a lot. And, uh, and it's one thing for us to just think about this as a lens of well, what does it mean to have remote work? But I really think that we have to continue to anchor it in why we're in this situation and that people are experiencing this in a lot of different ways. So I think for me, what, what is in, invaluable in developing and maintaining a successful team is bringing the human element to the work. Mm-hmm. I think we need to uh, understand where people are at while also mm-hmm. holding them accountable. Uh, And those two things can coexist. Uh, We can set expectations for how people deliver their work, but give them flexible frameworks in order to do that. Um, I think being okay that there are times where, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're, you know, we're looking at each other right now, but knowing that uh, that there may be times where people just don't have the energy to come on. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, this whole webcam situation, people get fatigued by it. Like we actually have conference calls with no video yeah. all the time. And now mm-hmm. that we've moved to a virtual world, I get it. It's, we need that human interaction because we're not in the office together. Yeah. But I think giving people the, the space 
to navigate the world in the way that they are experiencing it. And that may mean um, that they don't come on camera. That may mean that they can't do all the meetings. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the advantage of having a short commute is that it's a short commute. The disadvantage is that uh, I have seen companies pack their employees' calendars because you don't have to go anywhere. Um, but is that really uh, is that really sensible in thinking about the whole person and their whole needs? Um, and, and so I think those are the things that are really important in maintaining a successful team. It's really treating people like people holistically, um, especially in this particular moment uh, that we're in. Well, and I feel like, and I'd be curious to see what you think about this too. I feel like if you had a problem before with separating life from work, that's gone now. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, how, how have you seen your clients struggling maybe with, you know, they're dealing with so much more stress now and you've got to go deal with that stress right up until that Zoom meeting starts. And, you know, how do you flip that switch or do you still flip that switch? You know, is this maybe a time where we're becoming a little bit more authentic, you know, and really being honest about what we're struggling with? Yeah, I think uh, it depends on the company. Depends on the company and how much they give permission for that, which I believe starts from the top. Oh yeah. Um, and so I think the the challenges that that I am seeing, or the observations that I have, and I have clients that work across industries from teletherapy to um, social activism and social services um, to you know more consumer products, and um, I will say that depending on the issue of the day really impacts how they show up. So uh, from for uh, my clients who work in uh, the social sector space, last year was it was uh, an adventurous year to say the least. And so that becomes really difficult when you are in charge of communicating social issues, um, mm-hmm. like how women are impacted uh, by COVID and mm-hmm. how it impacts women in the workforce. And, you know, in December, what was it? A hundred percent of um, of the jobs that were eliminated mm-hmm. were women, and a big chunk of that was women of color. And yeah. so, when you're working in social services and you're seeing these numbers while also living some of these issues, it becomes very difficult to manage um, manage your emotional self care while also being present in the work and whatever else is happening off camera. Oh yeah. And so, I think for them, it's really been having the permission in the space. Um, to acknowledge that you're just juggling a lot. Uh, clients that work in the mental health space, I've, I've, um, I have a client in that space, and I think that they have a really great team culture uh, where they acknowledge and they are very authentic, so they can show up as themselves, which helps a lot when you are, again, sitting um, you know, in this little square in your entire existence and, and work is you know, in, in these little Brady Bunch boxes. Mm-hmm. But then there are other people who work in more like financial service sector where um, that's not as much the case. Yeah. And I think that those that's where it becomes challenging when you are um, you almost have to pretend like the things around you are not happening to show up in the way that you showed up when when you were not in a pandemic and all the other things. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, I think it really depends on the organization, the sector and the leader the leader who is willing to set the pace and the standard and the culture for how we operate in this remote work um, world. Yeah. Well, you know, and another thing too, that I think has probably 
Oh, I don't want to put suffered on it, but you know, creative collaboration, that's huge in teams. And, you know, so what do you think the future of that looks like? You know, even if you're not fully virtual, maybe you are like partly going back in sometimes, but you know, I mean, how do you keep up that creativity and not lose its effectiveness right now? It's so, um, it's so difficult to do that. I think as someone who is creative strategist, and I work with a lot of um, very creative people. It's, you know, it's, it's difficult to do that in the, in the structure of a team. So what I have found is helpful is to embrace the ways that individuals are inspired and their creativity, Mm -hmm. and then allowing them to bring that to the work. Um, And then also really encouraging people to, to experience the world the way that they need to experience it. So uh, you know, I have the luxury right now of, you know, I, I do not do well in the winter, which I know makes absolutely <laughs> no sense because I live in Chicago. Live in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And, and so for me, a lot of my inspiration comes from my environment and bright colors mm-hmm. and experiences. And so typically in the wintertime in Chicago, I have a few stores that I absolutely love because they have amazing visual design. So I will often make trips to the store just to touch fabrics and to, to be in an environment that's inspiring. Well, you can't do that in COVID. No. <laughs> so uh, you know, I have, I have definitely the luxury and the blessing of uh, being able to relocate to the Caribbean uh, for the winter and get sunlight and all the things that I need. Yeah. That is not a luxury that everyone has, but I have found for me, it's important again with treating people as people to mm-hmm. say to the, the team that I work with, the art directors, the brand strategists, the writers, you know, do what you need to be inspired and tell me how I can support you in being inspired and sending things on that are just interesting and funny and having more conversations that are not just specific about the work. Um, so that we're also just connecting on other levels. I want to know the things that inspire you day to day and I'll share what inspires me. Yeah. I think that is really help with collaboration and just also thinking differently about what does collaboration even mean? Right. Does it mean being in a room uh, and, and all writing on a whiteboard and post-it notes, which is you know my preferred method mm-hmm. of writing post-it notes and Sharpies. Uh, but does it mean something different? What, what is the essence of collaboration? And how do we take that essence with us into the virtual world? So I have found that that has been incredibly helpful um, in, in igniting the spark uh, for me and for the people around me. Yeah. There's another thing I've also learned to practice, which I learned in, uh, at, at Kellogg, is, is the yes and. Um, especially because we're in this virtual world, people have ideas. So how do I, you know, as someone is uh, throwing out an idea for something, build on it. So it's a, it's a whole, you know, it comes from kind of sketch comedy of, you know, someone suggests something and you say, instead of no, but, so you're shooting it down. How do I say yes? And how do I build on top of what they are thinking about? So that we get to a place that is more collaborative, that initial idea may not be it. Um, but how can we continue to build from a positive perspective. Hmm. So I feel like you're a very tangible learner. Like, sounds like me. <laughs> like, if I can't put my hands on it, if I can't physically experience something, I'm not as inspired by it. Um, so yeah, that, I feel you on, on, <laughs> I'm mourning that part of the creative process because, yeah. you know, or just not even, let's just go outside of work. I mean, I'm just mourning the ability to experience things. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I sorely miss being able to get together with friends and hang out and, you know, I, yeah. So it's, 
it's that part of giving people grace, you know, cause you it just is. don't really know what they're struggling with. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think, um, particularly when you're in, uh, non-routine work as yeah. they call it in economics, mm-hmm. um, I think knowing that we are really paying people for, uh, the ideas and the intellect that they provide. Mm-hmm. And so how do we create space for that? And, and consider that a part of, not in addition to the workday, but a valuable part of the workday. So for me, I have a group of women. I do not work with them. Uh, they are um, friends and friends of friends. There are four, um, four or five of us who every Wednesday morning um, uh, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central are on uh, Zoom. And, and it's just our, it's, we call it our writer's block. And so we're not talking, we're all on mute, but we're just writing. We're writing mm-hmm. and working on various projects. It's, a, it's our way of having this kind of collaborative community. And we're, we're in different industries, we're working on different projects. Oddly enough, a lot of the things that we do in some way overlap, uh, but I consider that a part of my work day. Yeah. Um, it's not something in addition to the things that I'm doing because I, it's an opportunity for me to sit in a collaborative space mm-hmm. with other uh, amazing women who are doing amazing work um, and and start to crank out ideas, whether it's a, a project proposal that I'm working on or uh, a draft of a, of a policy initiative. Mm-hmm. And, and I think how do we, in, especially in collaborative creative environments, give people space to do it in ways that doesn't require us having to micromanage their creative mm-hmm. process. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and another thing too, I mean, we've talked pretty much mainly about people that are, are, able to be virtual. So let's not also forget though, about the people that unfortunately they are still having to go into work. (laughs) They don't have the luxury of virtual. So what have you seen that they're struggling with right now in terms of teamwork? Mm, Yeah, I am. So this is something that's very dear to my heart is how do we leverage the privilege that we have in all the spheres that we're in um, to really be advocates for the people who do not have that. I think one of the things that's been particularly challenging for me as I listen to financial reports and quarterly earnings and um, you know, job loss in the economy, and even you know, when, I, um, when I go to the grocery store, masked up and all, um, is thinking about the people who do not have the luxury of working uh, yeah. virtually. Yeah. And so I think you know, whether that is someone who is uh, working in the grocery store, uh, uh, the, you know, we talk a lot about people about doctors and nurses, but we never really think about the folks who are in environmental. Like the They're also have, essential. Right. <laughs> who have to go in and, and clean up uh, those rooms. They typically are on the, the lower ranking of, of the wages and most likely are in communities that are under-resourced. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I have really thought about is what does it mean for for us, the, you know, the creative class or the non-routine workers who have privilege and access to really think differently about, um, about supporting the needs um, of, of people who don't have the luxury of working remote. I think uh, in terms of what does it mean to build team for them, I think it means being genuine. I think it means, you know, like Jesus did, like Jesus saw he wasn't there for the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he wasn't just there for the elites. He saw the people that society did not talk about, um, ignored, or treated like they were just in service to them. Um, so what does that mean for the people who deliver our packages and, and the folks who, you know, 
I can I can go on or when I was in the States and, and just order uh, on Amazon. What is it? Are we are we praying for those people? And if you're in positions where you're leading, are we thinking critically about what it means uh, to not just give them lip service of being valued, but actually treat them like they are essential and valuable, whether that's in the pay, um, the hazard pay we give them, um, the ways that we provide them with uh, PPE, I think all of those things send a message of you're not just essential to my needs, but you are essential as a human being and you are valued. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I feel like too, you know, you and I can sit here and talk about stress, but you know, what are they feeling? Because they, you know, they're worried about probably their jobs. They're worried about all that, but they're also very much so worried about their health. Right. You know? So they are dealing with stress far greater than we are. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think that there is an, I believe, especially as leaders, and particularly if you are um, a Christian leader, I think we have a responsibility. I mean, the Bible calls us to care for the widow and the orphan. I was reading in Job recently where he talks about you know, why do the wicked um, you know, not suffer consequences? And he talks about how, um, how the poor harvest and don't get to taste what they are harvesting. And I thought, yeah. is yeah. that not the world of COVID today when I yeah. go into the grocery store? Is yeah. that not the world of the people who are delivering, you know, my, uh, you know, my packages from you know, very large corporations that are making a lot of money off of uh, us all being at home. Um, and so how do we, you know, how do we counter that? And I think that that is the thing that we don't talk enough about as leaders and as leaders who have the luxury of remote work. Yeah. Well, so another part of teamwork um, that's always been big and, and I feel like maybe it's, it's even bigger now uh, is trust. You know, that is a big part of any successful team is that you trust everyone on that team. So I love to know just you personally, like what are some ways that you've seen trust built and nurtured well in the teams that you've been a part of? So it's this is always weird uh, because if I don't trust you, why am I hiring you? Right. You know, like, <laughs> and if I don't, if I hire someone that I don't trust, then do I trust myself? Right. Like, do I yeah. trust my decision making abilities that I would hire someone yeah. that I don't trust? Yeah. So I think uh, as I have continued to bring people on board personally, uh, I've not only written the job description of what they do, but I've outlined what they bring to the table. Things like creativity and humility and grit, um, and 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 the personality and the and the experience and insight that they bring that that role brings to the table, so that people know that this is what they are buying into, and that is kind of our not just our work contract but our social contract of this is this is the culture of Remnant, and this is what this is the work that you're expected to do. I'm also very clear with people that I recognize that we all have things. Um, yeah. I, I have lived through having uh, a relative with a chronic illness and there were years where we were in and out of the hospital. And so I know what it's like to have to show up to work authentically and say, I just can't do this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's not that I can't carry my weight. It's that right now I really need to focus on this and having team members who got it and could cover for me. Yeah. And so I think part of trust is me trusting you as, as an employee and someone on my team 
but also you trusting me that you can come to me and talk to me about, you know, I don't need the specifics, but, but what is happening. And I can trust that you're being honest and I can trust that you are really, um, have a desire to invest your best into the work that you're doing. Uh, but we may need to reevaluate what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest lessons that I'm even learning in trust mm-hmm. um, is even trusting my clients. I had a, a situation over the last month where um, there is just a few, you know, things that happened, balls that have been dropped. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been trained that you fix everything behind the curtain and then you show up as if it's perfect. And I've had mm-hmm. to trust to be able to say, look, this, I know that this was our plan, but we need to rework that plan yeah. in order to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and when I did not do that, um, it it made, uh, it could come across as if, uh, as if we were just ignoring the needs, when in fact, there was just a lot of work that had to be redone. So I have to, mm-hmm. I've had to learn, even as a disciple, um, mm-hmm. to trust uh, that I don't know it all and I can't do it all. Um, mm-hmm. And how do I express when we need to rework the situation as a company and, and as a team? Yeah. Well, and, and vulnerability is a big part mm-hmm. of that. You know, I, I know vulnerability is like a bad thing to some people, but I know we've, we've talked about it at Forward in the past where, you know, stop looking at that as something that's bad. You know, right. being vulnerable is part of being human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we talked about earlier, you know, you are still human. We are all still human. So, yeah, I mean, being being vulnerable is not always a weakness. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So in your mind, and obviously we can't always get what we want, (laughs) but you know, what, if you could make the perfect team culture, what would that look like? What would that involve? And is it something that is doable today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I have to say that um, culture is one of those interesting things that we talk about Um, culture and fit. Uh, I think they're important, but they're also really challenging to discuss because what they have represented historically is um, a, a, an exclusive approach uh, versus kind of really defining uh, the essence of an organization. And so I think for me, the perfect culture is the one that is defined but flexible because hmm. one, defined is important because cult- culture will happen whether you create it or uh, intentionally or not. Yeah. And so I think for me, it's important for, for the the culture of, of a remnant to be defined, but also have the flexibility because everyone who comes into the work, whether you are um, on the team, uh, whether you're a contractor or a client, brings something new and adds a new value to the culture. Um, so as far as the defined aspects of it, I think my perfect team culture is a team that uh, is curious and loves mm-hmm. to explore, humble, um, collaborative, but also, you know, they have, they have their unique identity and are, and are willing to show up as themselves, um, Mm -hmm. because they have a unique imprint and, and we can't do this work of the nuance of culture and strategy without everyone's unique imprint. Um, so also for me, the, the ideal culture is creating space where people feel valued for who they are and can come to the table and can share their lived experiences and perspectives, which means I have to mirror that. Uh, And that's something that I try really hard to do within the internal team then also with clients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have never felt more stifled in more ways than one (laughs) than when I didn't feel like I had a voice or I felt like I was valued or, you know, I could, 
speak up and not have consequences, <laughs> you know? So I, I want to be part of that team. That sounds like the best <laughs> team in the world. <laughs> now. Okay. So we, we talk about the best team. Now let's talk about dysfunctional team because I'm betting a bunch of money. Uh, there's probably some dysfunction going on right now. Um, and maybe it's even been, you know, just magnified because of COVID and because of being virtual, if you are virtual. So what, what advice would you share for turning a dysfunctional team around? I know that that is a huge task, <laughs> but, but somebody has got to do it and somebody has got to start it. Yes. So um, I think first, analyzing what is the dysfunction like what does that what does that mean um you know in uh, sometimes we can become so accustomed to operating in dysfunction that that becomes functional to us and there are a lot of teams and organizations that have learned to uh inappropriately define uh effective or not effectiveness but they've defined busyness by the number of widgets and the amount of hours that people are working versus being effective. And so if that is, if that is how you have built the culture, then I think it's determining, are you willing to change that for the, for someone who is leading? And is that the best way to work? I know I have my opinion about that, but that's everyone's opinion. (laughs) And if you're not leading it, then is that the environment that you want to be in? Because if it's not going to change, then you have to. Right. I think if it's if it's more of a case of you have not become, if it's less an issue of being addicted to dysfunction and more an issue of, especially as we have moved into this virtual world, dysfunctions have become create, have been created. I think it really goes back to authenticity, being honest with yourself that there is something dysfunctional about the team. You can't fix a problem that you don't acknowledge. Um, and then I think also really thinking about how do we, what is going to help this team thrive? Not a team thrive, but this particular team. Who are the people on this team? How am I leading this team? Um, because every team is going to be different because not everyone is on, on that team. Mm-hmm. And then really thinking through, well, what does that mean for us to create the culture, which you know, your dysfunction may come from mistrust. Yeah. Um, your dysfunction may come from meeting too much. Your dysfunction be, could come from micromanaging. So I think like with any problem, especially what we do in consulting, you really have to identify what's the, what's the core problem. Mm-hmm. And then how do we attack the core problem? And how do we not only attack it once, but how do we really turn this thing around um, by, by turning away? You know, we talk about repentance, but by really having an about face from the things that caused us to, allow this dysfunction to persist and to grow. Yeah. All right. So we love a good list around here. (laughs) Um, And, and like I said earlier, I could listen to you talk all day, but unfortunately we, you know, we, we have a time limit. So (laughs) I, this is what I'd love to wrap up with. So we love a list. Here's one for you to fill out for us. What are three things that any professional can do that will make them a valuable team member? Uh, um, I would say one, understanding the dynamics of your team. Mm-hmm. Two, understanding uh, the, the needs of your team. And that may be from the culture um, and the, the social aspects of it, or it could be a particular issue or item or deliverable. Um, 
And then three, really finding the ways that you can take one and two um, and, and help deliver on it. If it's that you're the person who kind of has the, the skill of insight, the gift of insight, how do you, in a, in a respectful and, and loving way, acknowledge the things that are happening to the right people uh, in a way that doesn't create divisiveness, um, but helps to uncover? If you are known for being a taskmaster, then are there recommendations you can make on how to streamline the way that the team is working, especially in a, in a remote world? But I think, uh, I think adding value means, you know, I believe understanding what are the things and what are the, what's kind of the raw opportunities that you can press into and, and like a diamond in the rough really, um, really allow it to shine uh, as you, as you chisel away at it. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? Yeah, I think, uh, one of the things that I just really want to press is that we are we are not just in remote work. We're in remote work in a global pandemic with many other issues attached to it. And um, and I think we have to give ourselves permission um, to remember that often um, and to care for ourselves and to be easy on ourselves, but also to give grace to other people. Give grace to the difficult boss because you don't know exactly what they're going to. Give grace to the person who may look like they're a bit checked out. And again, it doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable, but I think you can be accountable with grace. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you joined us for this conversation today with Joy about what it takes to grow and be part of a great workplace team, whether you're physically in the workplace or working virtually. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org slash joy. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash J-O-I. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review to let us know what you think of the podcast. Your feedback is appreciated greatly and will help Forward continue to host conversations that you're interested in listening to. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.